Journey. If you haven't noticed, this Sunday's a little bit different. Um, if you're new to Journey, this is our annual Youth Sunday, and the message this morning is going to be a little bit different as well. Um, we're going to continue on in our uh, sermon series through the book of Philippians this morning, um, but as we begin to talk about the teaching time this morning, one of the things we've really emphasized this year and tried to do with Ignite Youth Group on Wednesday night is we've been trying to encourage our high school students to be in the Word on their own on a regular basis. We've been doing reading plans together in our small groups. We've been diving into Scripture, and then we've been trying to teach them to do more than just read the Bible, but to study it. And so we've been doing, there's some nights we do inductive Bible studies. There's been nights where our students have led the Bible study where they just open the Word, they take a section of Scripture, and they study it. Uh, they don't just read it, they read it multiple times, they ask questions, they learn from it, and they learn how to reproduce it and apply it to their lives. And so this morning, we're not really going to have a sermon. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of do that with you this morning. And so in just a second, uh, one of our students is going to come read our text for this morning. And then instead of one student preaching a sermon this morning, we have five different students who are simply going to come up and they're going to share uh, their answers to some questions that come out of this text. Uh, that when we read scripture, there should be things that it evokes in us and questions that we should look at. And we saw as we studied this this week that there's really five things in this text in Philippians that you and I should be thinking through. And so we've just invited five students, instead of preaching a sermon this morning, to come and share what God's teaching through this scripture. And so we hope uh, that God will use that to impact you. And so I'm going to turn it over to them, and Ruby's going to come and read our text this morning. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each, with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equal, equally with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a hum, human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a, on a cross. Therefore, God evaluated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee sh should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue of de declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Good morning, Journey. Welcome to Youth Sunday. Today I will be starting and introducing today's lesson of Philippians 2. So when Justin first approached me about doing this, I of course was a little spooked. And Justin made it all better by making me go first. So <laughs> thanks Justin, appreciate it. I can proudly say that I'm used to leading off because for the last four years I've been the lead off hitter for the Wayne baseball team. However, um, I'm more scared and nervous this Sunday than all of those games, those four years combined. So yeah, we'll see how this goes. So the first question I was given for the sermon was, what does it mean to have the same love as Jesus? 
When I first heard this question, I instantly thought about the great love Jesus has showed all of us. And I remember all the stories of him feeding the hungry, um, healing the sick, um, making the blind see, and all of his wonderful teachings. And he gave us the greatest gift of all. We just celebrated it. It was Easter. Yeah. So uh, Jesus came down to earth and died for us. He is truly incredible, and he and God will never abandon us. With this outstanding resume, I said to myself, how could we share, um, show the love that Jesus showed all of us? And the answer is, we can't. We can never be that perfect. I think the solution of this problem is trying to love like Jesus. I think if we all just give an effort to love others, uh, we can all make an impact. We can see others in a way we've never seen them before. With this love, we can throw out, out all of our selfishness and pettiness and make others smile. This leads into the next question was, um, for the sermon was, how have I experienced Jesus' love in my own life? The answer to this question was easy for me, and that is my family. To start off, I have to give credit to my dog that I say uh, gets a little too much attention in the house, <laughs> and, but I always enjoy opening the door and seeing my little dog run to my feet, and she never fails to put a smile on my face. Next, I know this might come as a surprise to all of you, but my brothers. If you don't know this already, I have two younger brothers. Their names are Brooks and Jackson. You just met one of them. It's the guy with the shaggy hair that just read the announcements and desperately needs a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, both of my brothers uh, always show me love by being there for me, always having my back, and making me smile. Also, I cannot forget the ones that give me the greatest love, and that's my parents. My mom and dad give me the best love by um, being there for me, giving me the best childhood I could have asked for, and just being great role models for me. I don't know what I could do without them, and it's going to be very hard not having them next year when I go off to college. So all in all, my family is definitely a great example of how I um, receive their love. So the final question was, how can I show Jesus' love? It is hard sometimes to show love in today's world because we're always all busy and we have excuses for everything. But I think the solution is easy. We just need to treat others the way we want to be treated. It's not hard. We just need to be approachable, be kind, help people when they need it, forgive, and just show that we care. Together we can make the world a better place, and we could start today. Now I'm going to start um, and give my sermon off to my very intelligent friend, Reuben. I'm just going to readjust this. I'm really sorry. <laughs> All right, so the questions that were given to me, uh, let's just start off with the first one, is what does it mean to be one in the Spirit? Being one in the Spirit is seen as possessing multiple fruits of the Spirit, but I believe that we have completely missed a mark. You see, possessing and using these spiritual fruits and gifts mark the difference between, between being with the Spirit and being in it. Unity is such a powerful word because it shows the common goal of spreading Christianity to the entire world. Using these gifts and talents such as hospitality within the greeters, musicianship within the band, and interpersonal communication with, uh, as seen as Jacob, uh, like Jacob did before me, oh my goodness, I lost my place. 
uh, shows how if we use unity, we can make a beautiful thing and can spread the love of Jesus Christ to everyone we meet. Now, let's talk about how we have seen this kind of unity and togetherness in Christianity. We have all come together within the past year to spread the gospel to a new frontier, online church. Because of the pandemic, the church united to make live streams more accessible to everyone, not only to church members. We have seen togetherness in the natural disasters that have affected the community of Wayne, and we have seen what a group of high school kids can do by bringing you Youth Sunday. Now, the final question is, how can we practice and cultivate oneness as Christians? Now, church, this is your call to action, your call to be part of something greater than we could ever imagine. A perfect way for Christians to practice this unity is to spread the gospel. Although we are still in the middle of a pandemic, don't let that stop us from starting a small conversation with another person. Build a relationship free of judgment, free of bias, and don't force any change upon the other person. Let your example as a Christian compel them to seek a closer relationship with Christ. And for those who get nervous about meeting new people, you can help in a different way as well. This church is a great place to give your time and help out in any way you can. Wherever you see a high schooler today, that's a great, great place to help out. Oh my goodness. Whoa. If you feel like you can do something else, pray about it and let God guide, let God guide you through that journey. The goal of unity starts with individuals setting our eyes onto one goal. The church must now become united and put the ultimate goal into meeting God in heaven one day. Thank you. Now off to Tanner. Nope. Oh, gosh. Wow. Maya. I'm Maya, not Tanner. Um, <laughs> I got the question, what does it mean to value others above yourself? Jesus had valued our lives above all else. He showed us that by sacrificing his life for us, value others above yourself, to me, means to not be selfish and, pride and, and let pride be your guide, to be humble and honor others more than ourselves. In other words, live like Jesus. Jesus put himself on the cross for us, for us to be freed from our sins. You might have heard the phrase, look out for number one. Some people believe that's the way to live, but is that something Jesus would say? No way. Jesus never thought to look out for the number one. He is always ever looking out for all of us. Are you living for others using words and actions to benefit others or to benefit yourself? Putting others first does not have to be a huge gesture. It can be as simple as letting someone go ahead of you in a long line or letting someone tell you about their day and not telling them about yours. In everything you do, ask yourself that fam famous 90s saying, what would Jesus do? Truly think of what you value most, and if you value yourself above others, then I believe you are not doing it right. I had a great opportunity to meet a crazy, amazing lady that some of you may have known named Glorianne Kester. She always put everyone above herself. to go. <laughs> Even if she just met you, you were top priority. I met her many years ago when she was in the nursing home and had been in hospice for over a year. She always kept a smile on her face and it was her personal goal to bring joy to others around her as well. 
She made sure I knew I was very welcome in her room and better yet in her arms. The best thing about Glorianne was that when I walked into her room, it was as if I was the only thing in that room, the only thing that had mattered. You could walk in and out of her room many times and she'd still be super excited to see you. As many of you may know, she was a very successful salesperson in Mary Kay and she loved her job. She taught myself, Sydney Redden, and Kira Kuzmark, who were about sixth or seventh graders at the time, how to apply makeup. She taught one of us how to do the eyes, the other the cheeks, and the last one the lips. She made each of us change in charge of something different so that we each felt special and being specialized to do that certain task she gave us. She realized many people in the nursing home needed affection, so she started a laughing hats and rusty zippers group for residents to come and have fun and craft have fun making crafts and interacting with other residents and guests. This is when our new makeup skills came in handy. During one of these events, us girls did makeovers for many of the ladies. This made those women and us girls feel so special. Glorianne made others feel more valued than anything else in the world. My favorite phrase she always said was, I love you Morsey Morsey, and that is something I will never forget. Whenever she said that, all I thought about was she loves everyone and everything. She pushed through until the end, and never once did she lose her faith in Jesus, and never forgot to value others above herself, no matter how ill she actually was. Glorianne was super excited to go to heaven. She knew that she did her part on this earth, and that Jesus would be very proud of her. So going back to what would Jesus do? For me, I feel very lucky that I have had the chance to meet someone that lived like Jesus and never lost her faith. I am not perfect at putting others above myself, but I hope that someday I can live up to being like Glorianne and Jesus. Now to Tanner. So what does it mean to have the same mindset as Jesus? In Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. These verses are telling us to raise the value of others and put them first. Jesus gives us a great example of this in the next few verses. In verses 5 through 8, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus could have just stayed in the form of God, but he chose to lower himself down to the level of a servant. And on top of this, he made the decision to put all of us first and sacrifice his own life for us. Jesus could have saved himself on that day he was crucified, but instead he chose us and for our lives to be saved instead of his own. So how have I seen this lived out in real life? Well, if you know me, then you know that sports are a big part of my life. So of course, the first example I thought of involves sports. Basically, in any team sport that you can think of, the teams that work together and play for each other tend to do better. And the teams that have a bunch of selfish players who are only focused on themselves don't tend to do as well. The teams that put each other first and put the team's interests ahead of their own always tend to win more games and have more fun together. I don't know about you, but I would rather be on the team that puts each other first and not on the selfish team. So on our team, which is the church, 
we need to put the team's goals first. Our team goal is Jesus. Jesus needs to be our number one priority and his interests must come before our own. We also must play for each other. We need to put each other ahead of ourselves and work with our teammates to keep Jesus as the main goal in our lives. We can't be the selfish player who thinks they can do it all on their own. So what can we do to get the same mindset as Jesus in our everyday life? I think there are three main things we need to do. First, we need to pray. We need to ask Jesus to help us get a mindset like him because we won't be able to do it on our own. And one prayer that I used to help me with this, I asked Jesus to help me see the world like him. I asked him to help me see the world through his eyes and his point of view. Second, we need to work together. Help your neighbors through their battle to become more like Jesus. Value them above yourself. Look out for their interests before your own. And third, we need to read. We have to read our Bibles to understand more about how Jesus put others first and kept his focus on God. There's no better way to get to know Jesus than to study how he lived his perfect life. And now Nikki. All right, my first question was, what does Philippians 2, 6 through 11 mean to you? So to start my small sermon, I'll give a quick summary of that verse. Jesus knew that he was considered equal to God. He had the opportunity to exploit his power, and it would have been easy for him to completely take advantage of the people of earth by making them his servants. However, he humbly chose to become a servant to those people instead, and eventually, Jesus followed God's orders and took on the ultimate servitude and sacrifice of dying for our sins. He was given the highest amount of glory and honor, his name exalted above all others, and every person in heaven, on earth, and under the earth learned the name and story of Jesus Christ. Now, to me, this means that I need to take a step back and look at how I'm acting towards my family members, my classmates, and my coworkers. It's easy to take advantage of the power we have over others, and I don't think I'm alone when I say that it sometimes feels good to indulge in those selfish behaviors. It's almost human nature to be power hungry at one point or another. And when we have that control, why would we want it to go away, especially when we've worked so hard to get it? When I first read this verse, I was a little confused as to how Jesus was so willing to become a servant when it didn't benefit him at all, because that's not necessarily normal if we're honest. But then I realized that I wouldn't expect anything less from him. I've always known Jesus to be humble, and I've always known that I'm supposed to live like him. So I asked myself, why am I so obsessed with having power over others? Why can't I be content with any position I'm in, whether that's on a team, at my job, or even within my friendships? I got frustrated thinking about how unlike God I am in this aspect, and I realized that the reason I'm so reluctant to be a servant like Jesus is because it's not easy to do so especially when we're living in a greedy world like this. In the church, we know that life could be simple if everyone just lived like Jesus, but when we leave the church and enter our not-so-perfect society, reality hits and it becomes harder and harder to do so. How are we expected to live like Jesus when no one else will? Are we just supposed to step down from a position of authority so we can serve others because that doesn't necessarily sound like something I would want to do? It's difficult to see God's intentions. I'm still learning how to be patient with him and how to let go of my ego so that I can truly serve like him, but by simply putting my trust in him, just like Jesus did when God asked him to become a servant, 
I believe that I can get close to that point someday. Now please stand and sing with us.